Chef Latoya Larkin is the founder of Black Girl Tamales. As a serial entrepreneur, though, it is more than just cooking up killer fusion. During this episode, we dive deep into the world of making tamales, the biggest hurdles to building a multifaceted empire, and so much more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help me grow the show by sharing with your family members and friends and subscribing to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Florida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. I gotta know, Chef, what was it like baking that first batch of tamales with Grandma at the age of eight? You know what? It was one of those things, um... It was it was cold because my grandma taught me how to cook. So with her teaching me how to cook, it was just kind of letting me in um, to kind of learn the ropes with like just the little things of measurements and, you know, learning the um, just the little basics of things. So it was really cool because that, that definitely helped plant the seed to get me to where I'm at. Do you remember what they tasted like or what kind they were? Oh, she did just the traditional chicken and pork. Like that, that's what she grew up making. It was a Hispanic one of her Hispanic friends out in California. When her husband was stationed out in um, California, that's where she learned how to make tamales. So she brought the concept back to Jasper. And so that's those are the ones that she made. We just grew up making the traditional chicken and pork. And for the longest, those are the type that I made, which is just the traditional chicken and pork up until 2019. At what point did you realize this was your path and you're going to be doing this? as a grown up? Um, actually it was 2019. Like it was crazy because, um, I used to teach, uh, I don't know if I told you that. So I used to teach, I ran a culinary program at spring ISD. And then during the summer, when we were out on the summer, that's when I would do tamales. I do tamales like in the summertime, occasionally on the holidays, even though it was a big deal because around the holidays I would be busy with, you know, events, caterings, uh, for, you know, doing like, uh, Thanksgiving dinners, uh, Christmas parties, graduations and stuff like that. So I didn't really dig into the tamales like that because it took a little time. So I would always make them during the summertime. So I just, I'd never seen this coming. That's for one. That's the biggest thing of them all um, because it blew up. It really blew up during COVID. Like when we went on spring break and never went back to school, this actually blew up and I just, I never imagined it. Um, I was looking for my personal chef business to actually blow up because I'm a private chef. I go cook for people. And you know how, you remember how the restaurants are shut down? So that's what I'm looking at. Like, oh, okay, cool. Because I have a pretty good following on social media and plus my clients and stuff. So like if I clean my freezer out and post some stuff on, you know, post some meal preps online, they they inbox me, DMing me, texting and all of that uh, for the meal. So that's what I was looking for to honestly take off and just like, because I love to do date nights and, you know, stuff like that. Because I was like anniversaries and birthdays, none of that's going to stop. So that's what I was looking for to blow up. But the uniqueness of the tamales, that just, it just took off and did its own thing. So I, I never even imagined it, honestly. One of my first years in radio I had worked the Tamale Fest. I don't even know if they have that still, but this was over, I think, by by Northline Mall. And uh, I remember going and working the event, handing out stickers and all these different types of tamales that were different from what Grandma Tina used to make with the pork and the chicken. And these were like, you know, special peppers and dessert tamales and, and the gut instinct is like well that's not a real tamale right right (laughs) and anybody that kind of grows up with that upbringing 
it's like, oh yeah, you know, you got a point. But then you're like, but what if you just experiment a little bit and have fun with it? And I think this is like the, yeah, yeah, this is like the perfect uh, transition point to go into the soul food tamal, uh, which is something that you and I talked about when I was exhibiting for my business over at the Texas restaurant show, which my mind was blown. (laughs) So let's talk about that. That came 2019. Um, I was actually in grad school during that time, right? And so I had scaled back from doing, uh, like I've taken on a bunch of clients to meal prep. And again, summertime hit. So I was like, all right, we're just going to make a bunch of tamales, stock them up, be on stock and, you know, just sell those during the summer. And so we had a Mother's Day brunch, right? Right before we get out of school, had a Mother's Day brunch. And uh, we had some collard greens uh, on the menu, for the brunch. And so it was just a little, like literally like a, a little bit in a meal prep container. And I told my son, I looked at him and I said, son, we're going to take these collard greens. I'm going to put them in some tamales. And he was like, mama, you tripping. Like, no, no, we, we, you're doing too much. We need to just do what we do, mama. We need to do our chicken and pork tamales. We got a good thing. Like just stick with what we're doing. And I was like, but son, like, think about it. It's like cornbread and collard greens. And he was like, well, I mean, when you say it like that, that makes sense. But mama, it just sounds weird. Like, I've never heard of no collard green tomorrow. I was like, exactly. Like, you've never heard of it. So, like, that's what makes it unique because you ain't never heard of it. I was like, he was like well, whatever, whatever. You're going to do what you do. Um, but I just, I, I still think we need to just stick with the chicken and pork. I was like, exactly. Everybody makes chicken and pork. Like, come on. I was like, we in Texas. That ain't nothing special. Everybody do chicken and pork tomorrow. And so, and I was like, and just like you said, you're right. I'm going to make them anyway. And so, like I said, it was only a little, and they literally rolled out like right at a dozen. Like it was just like that small amount. And so I rolled them out and steamed them. And so uh, after they finished steaming, I taste one and I was like, oh yeah, this is lit. And so I called my son over and like that face lit up and that look right there. I was like, yeah, they good. Aren't they? they good. And he was like, mom, like, wait a minute. Like, I, I, I need to get another one. I was like, I thought I was tripping though. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. You got a point. And he was like, man, Mom, I, I think we own something with these. And I was like, I try to tell you. I was like, it's like cornbread and collard greens. So that is when I came up. Um, I, I started, like, you know, getting creative. Like, okay, I need a name for it. Like, I want to brand this because, again, it's a collard green tamale. And then I had made, a, like, another little small batch of uh, collard greens. And so I let some of my clients sample them. And so when I let my clients sample them, hey, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. And uh, one of my clients, uh, John, he's actually one of my first uh, private chef clients that I had. And I let him try. And he was like, oh, my God, like, chef, I've never heard of no collard greens tamale. Like, you got to put this on the menu. Like, you got to put this on the menu. This got to go on the menu. And I was like, okay. So it's good. So I got that stamp of approval. And so I was like, okay, what name can I come up with? And it started hitting me. Like, when I would take tell people that I made tamale, especially like some of my coworkers, right? When I would tell them that I made tamale, they'd be looking at me crazy, Right. And I know what they think and they think because I'm black. Right. And so um, I was like, that's what I'm going to call it. Black girl tamales because soul food, like collard greens, that's that's something that's 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 indigenous to the black culture. So black girl tamales because I'm a black girl and I make tamales. And I know that's what people be thinking when I tell them that I make tamales. Now, I will say I have received a lot of pushback and uh, from the Hispanic, like a, a lot of Hispanic people really have a problem with me making tamales. And my thing is, you know, I'm minding my business. You know, it's, it's, this is a concept that literally retired me from teaching. Like I'm not out here doing anything crazy. I'm setting an example for my son, me and my son. Like, you know, we just minding our business. It's people that don't even know your story. They just think that you're trying to hijack something and they don't even, they have no idea. You were making these with your grandmother who had Hispanic friends and you were very much a part of the culture. And to me, this is like where 
it all starts to get weird. And when I say weird, I don't mean that in a good way, but these people are acting like they own something. And it's like, no, I don't think so. And my thing is, I'm a chef. Like, you know, I'm a professional trained chef. And I don't claim that it's like an authentic Mexican tomato. No, these are fusion tamales and there is a such thing as fusion cuisine if you look it up there is a certain that is when you take two polar opposite cuisines and you pull them together and it's, yeah. it's fusion like and that's all it is and it's like and it makes sense i think the thing about it makes sense you know because it's like like i said when you think about it, it's like cornbread and collard greens and anything that goes with cornbread you you can throw it in there and it just and it works <laughs> that's the thing it works and then just to come up with the other flavors as well um you know the international flavors because then i started taking a look at like the black culture in different areas like so you know like i got the brazilian blood orange pork you know hold um, on wait a wait a i have time to see it out time out brazilian blood orange yes and that that is look that that's a good one the blood <laughs> orange pork like that that is a good one that is that is a really good one. I, I push. I, I'll push anybody on that. I'm not big on a whole lot of pork. I eat pork from time to time. Yeah. But that is definitely one. I think that's one of the best ones. Preparing for this interview, I found out something else about you, other than these amazing fusion tamales that you make. But you've got sort of a, a merchant. You got a line of merch, and a quote that uh, comes from you: "Slow feet don't eat." I love that. And I want to dive into what that means to you. What I've realized over time, I think people have a bunch of haters around them, right? They don't really have people that are speaking positivity into them. Um, and then they start, which in, in turns make them start second guessing themselves, right? And they have like these dope ideas. I'm talking like dope cut straight from the brick type dope, but they won't move on them. And they second guessing themselves. And and then it's, they, they move it slow. It's like, okay, but I thought you wanted to do it. Like, when, when you going to, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I got to wait. Uh, I got to, what, what you wait though? Do it. Like, literally, like, Mikey, just do it. So while you're sitting here second guessing yourself, you know, you finna see somebody else at the finish line because you got to wait for everything to fall in line and for everything to be so perfect. And, you know, and, and before you know, slow feet don't eat. Like, you're going to be standing right there hungry, looking crazy. Like, because you don't want to move on it. Like, and you need to make a move. So you don't make that move, you ain't going to eat. And then you end up being 80 years old, spent your whole life working a nine to five. And then you regret the the yep. decision to not make the decision to get up and move and start whatever it is you were dreaming about starting. But you just had to wait for the right moment, the quote unquote right moment, because the right moment will never come. Right. It'll never come. You know what? And I was like that, too. I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, this This is one of these moments. Uh, I don't know if you noticed on my email, uh, my signature on the email, while you're second-guessing yourself, there's someone that makes $5,000 a month teaching copper deficiency in goats. I saw that. So I learned that. Okay. So I learned that uh, my last year, right, um, when everything, when the dust settled from, um, from 2020, I was thinking of ways to diversify my income and uh, my portfolio. And so I decided, uh, I used to write curriculum for the district, right? So uh, Spring ISD, uh, the culinary program um, for years, I don't know if they restructured some things or whatnot now, but for uh, before I left for probably like the last four years, they were on my curriculum. I wrote the district curriculum for culinary, right? So it's like, I got all this curriculum that I've written. I need to take my curriculum and take it elsewhere, right? Put it like, you know, create some courses and teach classes and stuff like that, right? And so I was looking at a platform called Teachable. Um, so Teachable, they'll help you go through and, you know, 
get your course on and all that stuff, right? And so the lady that was um, that was doing the webinar, and mind you, I'm on the way out of town to go see my dad, uh, do a day trip to go see my dad back in East Texas. And I'm driving down the road, getting on the freeway, just got my Starbucks coffee. And she's saying, you know, I know that you guys are thinking no one is going to buy your program. You're thinking, how am I going to make any sales? You know, how am I going to do anything? She's like, I'm just here to let you know people will buy anything. And she was like, there, there's people that's teaching all type of stuff that you wouldn't even believe. Um, there's a woman that teaches copper deficiency in goats. She's making $5,000 a month. And I literally, I'm talking, and I was in mid-sip and I'm like, <coughs> like almost choked. Cause I'm like, what the hell is copper deficiency in goats? And like, how is this woman making this kind of money teaching copper deficiency yeah. in goats? And so of course I'm driving and I couldn't, you know, really Google it and check it out. So and then when I got to my dad's house, he lives off the grid, like he old school in the back of the country, like he ain't in town and that. So no internet, no receipt, none of Must that. Must be right? nice. So when I got into town, I got to my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got to my cousin's house, right, of course, my cousin got internet stuff. So I get on and I'm looking up copper deficiency in goats, right? And so just kind of, you know, BSing with everybody. Hey, what's copper deficiency in goats? I don't know. What's that? And so, of course, nobody knew Megan Jeff. So when I was like, I'm going to make a conscious decision when I get to work tomorrow. These are educated people. I'm going to ask about 20 people and see who knows what copper deficiency in goats. I asked 20, 20 of my coworkers, fellow educated coworkers, right? Out of 20 people, one person knew what copper deficiency in goats was. And that's only because she was an animal lover. At that moment, I was like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Because I know damn well if this woman is making $5,000 a month teaching something that nobody has a clue of what's what, like the the normal person, right? You know, the average person has no clue. Because I'm gonna, did you know what it was when I mentioned no, it? No, no. I saw that in your byline. Right. And I'm like... And I needed to see that in your byline, by the way. Um, I, I read your in the email exchange that we had because you know I'm I'm running a startup podcast agency. That's how we met. I was uh, exhibiting, and so uh, 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 yeah. sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get inside our own heads. I've got friends and affiliates who will say it's uh, the universe sending you a message or it's uh, it's a God thing or it's God t- talking to you or you needed to see this at the right moment, whatever it is. And, um, and I needed to see your email response from a few days ago <laughs> about the goat, about the goat, yeah. somebody making $5,000. Yeah, yes. And you know, my dad, my daddy, I love the man. He flips junk on eBay. He was telling me about selling tape, like a big ass box of just brand new package, never been open tape. And he has this big box and he flips it on eBay. And then he was talking about going to an estate sale and finding some Vietnamese cassette tapes and flipping those to the tune of $200 and $300. And he goes to an estate sale in Latoya. You know, he's getting those for pennies, probably half pennies on the dollar. Yeah. There's money to be made. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people will buy anything. That That is what I realized. Though. People will buy anything. If it is packaged up right, if there's a need for it, people will buy anything. They will buy into anything. And, th- and that's what I had to realize. That's that's what made me really realize it. Like, you know, just the uniqueness of my concept. 
nobody's doing it. Like nobody's written, like I could I could proudly say nobody's doing the flavors. I mean, yeah, they may put a twist or spin on some chicken and pork, but nobody is doing like that concept and that idea of standalone entree flavors like that. Because I mean, yeah, brisket. I've seen some brisket to my brisket is brisket. That's Texas, like brisket all day. In Texas, it's hard to screw up brisket. <laughs> right you know so it's that type of stuff like it's some things that are just certain like yeah that that's nothing unique like i said because we do the brisket uh one of my um one of my best friends i went to culinary school when she's a business partner she we use i use her brisket recipe so like bernie makes the breast the best freaking brisket so yeah and again i mean the flavor wise yeah but brisket brisket's brisket but yeah the other stuff no one's doing all that nobody like hands down and that's what keeps us you know, at the forefront and being innovative and disruptive um, because, again, the flavors that nobody even thinks about doing. So I've got a soft spot for fellow empire builders. You're doing things that nobody wants, you know, would even think to do or even want to do um, because they don't want to deal with the blowback and deal with the with the claptrap. These small minded individuals who who just lack the creative space in between their ears to do something like what you're doing. So I got to know from you, what's the biggest hurdle um with regards to creating your slice of an empire and and how you're taking it on? You know what? I think the uh, my biggest hurdle is just having the balance and time, trying to balance out everything, doing everything, um, because it's so much that comes with it, right? Um, I really felt the burn around um, Christmas last year, going into the new year, um, from like that December to February, it was just, ah, I was in, I was under a lot of, I had a lot of attention coming my way. Right. And so what had happened, uh, Christmas, the day before Christmas Eve, right. Uh, cause Christmas Eve was Saturday and then Christmas day was Sunday. Right. So that Friday, um, like Thursday night going into that Friday. Right. Um, I just started getting like a flood of people wanting to mind. I'm like, where, where the hell are all these people coming from? Like, what is this? Right. And so come to find out it was an old article that had surfaced. Right. Uh, and this art, I actually did this article. This And this article actually let me know, like, I got to leave and stop teaching. Like th- this let me know that I had something. Um, Cuisine Noir. I don't know if you're familiar with Cuisine Noir. It's a black culinary magazine. And so anyway, uh, Cuisine Noir, um, one of the writers, you know, she was just watching me on social media and then she just DM me one time and, and reached out to me. And so um, we ended up going back and forth during the summer and the article dropped in the fall. Right. And when that article dropped in the fall, I had two back to back deaths and my uh, my uncle passed away first on my mom's side and then my aunt passed on my dad's side like the following week. And that following week when my aunt passed, that's the day that the article dropped and we were burying my uncle that weekend right at the end of the week. And so when I got back to Houston, I had over $5,000 in my account, all these emails. And I'm just like, what the hell? And we just, we love your story. We love what you're doing. It's so unique. We just want to see you win. We just want to support it. And it's just like, and that's when I knew like, I got to, I got to leave from here. I got to leave from teaching. So needless to say, that was 21, right? When this article, no, 2020. Yeah, that was 2020 when the article dropped going into 21. So two years later, here come this article surfacing, right? Resurfacing. And it's just popping up in people's phone uh, on the Newsbreak app. Well, I had a robbery on Christmas night going into the next day, right? 
Uh, come to find out, two gentlemen had broken to my place, and it was like it was one of those things. They sent the personal message, like to let me know, like we see what you're doing, like you know that type of thing. It's like, well, I'm still gonna do what I'm doing because again, I'm minding my business. Like you look, like you said, you're weird. <laughs> you're even weird to bother a woman and her child minding their business, doing a thing. I'm not out here prostituting. I'm not out here on social services or anything like that. This concept keeps me afloat and it, and it keeps me creative and, you know, and I'm able to give back. I'm able to do things. So why do you even care what I'm doing? To me, it's like if you don't like what Black Girl Tamale is, is doing, then create your own shop. Don't just shut somebody down because they're trying to provide for their family. If you think you can do better, then do better and act appropriately because we can all do it. We're in America, baby. And we're in Houston, Texas. And, um, personally, I think black girl, black girl tamales is like one of the most Houston concepts you could possibly think of when you talk in terms of how culturally diverse we are with all the different nationalities and all the different regions Absolutely. and all the different things. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about California, you're, you're in Houston, Texas. You're talking about California influence from your family, your grandmother and her friend growing up on the West coast. And then you're talking about, uh, Louisiana culture and then Caribbean flavors. And then we're here in the Lone Star state. It doesn't get any more HTX than that. Absolutely not. Cause again, Houston is the culinary capital of the South. Yeah. Like we are a melting pot, like literally anything that you want, like you're going to get it. Like it is different areas that reach all over the city. So it's just like, it's insane. Like, and again, I, I can't think you, that is so funny. You said that cause someone else told me that too. It was like, man, your concept is so H town. Like, it's H-Town all the way, like, all those flavors you got, because, you know, you got, the, like, yeah, like your flavor straight out the boot. You already know everybody from Louisiana be over here. There's a lot of Louisiana influence. Like, absolutely. And, you know, of course, soul food is soul food. You're a country girl. Like, you were from, of course. So, and, and then, like, the Nigerian, like, that Nigerian African community, like, Houston has the largest Nigerian community. So, you know, um, it's a given, you know, to kind of just, again, take those different flavors from around the, around the globe and just have fun. That's really it. Just have fun with it. Like it's, it's not serious, you know, nothing too serious to get bent out of shape. Just have some fun with it. One last question, Latoya, before we wrap up this interview, I'm having so much fun talking to you, but I got to know in 200 years, your ancestors discover the story of black girl tamales. What do you hope they take away from it oh man i i want them to take away of like just do, believing in you and doing your thing like you could do anything that you're intentional about and you put your mindset to it i'm in awe and amazement with a lot of things that's came from this concept um for the simple fact that my grandfather uh my, my dad was he's a little bit older than my mom and so my grandparents on my dad's side they were they were like old like it wasn't none of that i watched my mom's parents age because they were younger but my grandfather his great great grandparents they were slaves right and to see us come this far and I'm doing what I'm doing and then not even that with my grandmother you know my grandmother was the help when she came back from California like she was the help and it's like to see where I'm at now you know I have those that she worked for you know now they manufacture and they work for me you know they, they doing my thing now you know um to see how far we've come is just it's one of those amazing things. So I want them to see more than anything how far we've come. And you can do anything you're intentional about. You know, if you have a good personality, a good personal brand, people are gonna buy into you already. You know, and I am one of those people where my my, my personality like to know me is to love me. 
you know, that's why I had such success in education, like with the kids and stuff, because a lot of times I tell people that I taught high school, oh, you teach high school, I, I couldn't do it, I have to, no, like, they just want to be loved on, and then once they get to know me, they see how, like, how my personality is, people just take to me, so if you got a good personality, everything will always work out, but I think the biggest thing I want my 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 lineage to take from this is like man my my grandma did that like she she came through and she like she just disrupted stuff like she just created something totally different that nobody would even think about doing because and I get that response all the time when I, when people see like man I wouldn't have never even thought like he's play like the duo this that's that's really creative that's really unique that's really genius that's like so yeah that's what I want them to take away just be intentional about life and just anything will come your way and you can make anything happen any kind of way. Look her up on Facebook and on Instagram. Slide into those DMs and get a batch of Black Girl Tamales Latoya. Thank you so, so very much for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much, Freddie. Thank you for having me. You could have had anyone else, but you chose to have me and I appreciate that. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did, putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.